Hello, and welcome to Conversations Between Widows. I am one of the co-hosts, Tanya Wilson. And I'm your other co-host, LaSharma Jefferson. And we're bringing you weekly conversations about our widow journey. Our purpose is to provide our listeners with a window seat into how two young women who became widows too soon are navigating life after their loss. Our goal is to provide another support system to other widows on the same journey to help them feel less alone. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and shake your head profusely in agreement to what Tanya and I and our guests are talking about. So come on in and enjoy the conversation. Hey, Tanya. How are you? Oh, girl. I'm doing good. It had been a week, okay? But I made it through. I look forward to the weekends, right? There's there's a weekend, I'm like, oh, yes. You're ready for it. Yes. (laughs) I am always ready for it. So even though my weekend be a little busy right now, but... I'm still always looking forward to sitting and refreshing uh, mm-hmm. before we start another work week. And how about you? How was how was the week? Um, my week was good. Um, this this past week was pretty hectic. Um, I had a full house. Um, my son, uh, my n- new airman, um, finished basic. He finished his tech school for the Air Force uh, like that last week of August. And then he signed up for this program that allowed him to come home uh, for two weeks before he goes to his permanent Air Force base. Mm -hmm. And so he came home for two weeks to work with his recruiter. And so he was at home, which I absolutely loved it. He sent me directly into, you know, busy mode when he got home because he was in search of a new car and he had been doing his research, you know, prior to coming back to Michigan. So, you know, it was kind of like, okay, mom, I need you to take me here. I need you to take me there. (laughs) So Mm. he was running me that first week he got home. Then once he got the car, then it was kind of a little bit more smooth sailing. And then my daughter uh, was relocating to Houston. And so when she moved out of, well, when when the people, because she had her car shipped, so when the people came to pick up her car, like last Wednesday, which they actually came on Tuesday, then her and the grandbabies were at my house. So mm-hmm. I went from being at home, you know, just me and the dogs to being at home with my two children and my two grandchildren. So it was a very full house, hectic days coming home. Like how I'm used to like kind of coming home and like, okay, let the dogs out. Then I sit at the dining room table and eat dinner or just gaze out the window or whatever. It's always pretty chill for me when I come home. So I had two weeks of a little bit of chaos, but it was that fun chaos because I did love, you know, just coming home to my kids and my grandchildren. And so... It was hectic, but it was also bittersweet because both of them kind of departed for their um, 
their locations um, on the same day on Sunday, on Saturday. So they both left. It was a very emotional day. And my son was so funny. He was like, mom, are you crying? And I'm like, of course I am, you know, but I'm trying not to, I'm trying not to, you know, like boo hoo hoo, uh, but it was just like, I oh, can't believe my baby. Not say, mom, are you yeah, he was like, are you crying for real? Like, yeah, what, what yeah, else you did you expect? It. But my kids aren't used to me crying in front of them. So I guess, mm-hmm. you know, it probably just caught them by surprise. And I was really trying to keep it together because I do like to cry behind closed doors. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, I let it go. But, you know, the tears were coming and I was like, oh, darn it. I'm trying to just wipe them away, you know, but he saw it. But uh, so then when I was going to take my daughter to the airport, you know, I was trying to tell myself, OK, Sherman. Be cool, be cool, because I didn't want to start, you know, when you're thinking those emotional thoughts. I didn't want to be like my eye, my tears welling up, you know, as I was driving. And so I got myself together and was able to drive her there and get her there without, you know, boohooing. But um, it was good. I kind of did my little crying on the way home. And I think when I got home, because I thought I was going to like fill the rest of my day with activity, like to avoid the emotions. I was thinking maybe I'll go to the mall and I'll go check out a movie or something. But I was tired. I was hungry. So I'm like, I'm going home. Well, I came home at eight, got in the bed and, you know, kind of just, you know, thought about everything. But now that it's the, you know, the day after all of that, um, I'm, I'm doing okay. I had a FaceTime with my grandbabies and my daughter this morning. So that was nice. And um, I'm ready for the week ahead. Well, that's good. I think it's going to work out. I think it will be. It's a lot, but it will work out, you know. And now you have places to visit. Like, you have places to go. Where hotel would not be required all the time. I do appreciate that. I I can appreciate that. But it was so funny because when I posted on Facebook, you know, about them leaving, I started to make an addendum to my post and be like, please, nobody tell me now I have places to go visit. (laughs) Oh, no. I just hit you with the the hugs and the hearts. But yeah. I know. Yeah. But I was like, nobody said that anyway, but. That's a hard, hard move, but it's the grandbabies. For me, it's not just my son. If it was just my son and my daughter, of course, my son, him going away, it does come with a whole another set of, you know, concern because he's in the military. You know, not only is he in the military, he's a firefighter in the military. You know, so it's not. Wait, wait, what? Yeah, he, he went for firefighting. See, my anxiety medicine. You know, so it's not like, you know, he's sitting there pushing papers. Like when his when his dad was in the Air Force, his dad was a baker, you know, so there was no real dangers associated with that. So with my son leaving, it's kind of like I just have to stay prayerful, you know, that God, Mm -hmm. you know, protects him and, you know, just keeps him safe. And, you know, that's the that's also the where the emotional you know, outpour kind of came because it's like, not only is he leaving, you know, he's going to do something, you know, that's, you know, potentially dangerous, you know, it just takes a lot of bravery and I'm proud of him for, 
being fearless, you know, and, and pursuing what he wanted to pursue. And, uh, you know, but as a mom, you're always concerned. We're, we're concerned even if they're not doing something like right, right. fighting or being a police officer. We're like, concerned I ain't heard from they, him today. I ain't heard from him today. Where he at? Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, and when kids kind of get off into their own thing, they don't be thinking about, oh, you know, my mom is worried. I can Let me send her a text. And I guess I can't realistically expect him you know, to text me like every day or something. But while he was in, while he was doing his tech school, he did do pretty well with calling me at least once every two weeks. Like if he didn't call me once a week, he would call at least once every two weeks. And then I'm also that mom, I'll call you. <laughs> like, I'm not just going to wait for your phone call. I'll mm. call to check on you too. So yeah, that that's what I'm I'm going through. So now I'm just trying to, you know, turn my lemons into lemonade, you know, because I'm like, okay, I've got my whole house. Now with my grandbabies, they're not going to like be coming over throughout the week and stuff like that. Because I had to keep that in mind, you know, when I had certain things, you know, because like, oh, the kids might be here. So now I don't have to do as much child proofing and things like that. If I want to get me some white furniture <laughs> or something, I could do something like that. Cause I was, I had like this nice white cover on my bed for a while. But then my grandbabies come over and they got chocolate on their fingers and all of this stuff. So I'm like, now I can kind of go back to getting a pretty white cover in my bed, you know, on my bed if I want to. Right. So and just trying good. to find the silver lining, you know, like I had this whole house to myself. I thought about even moving my bedroom upstairs and then changing my master bedroom maybe to end more like a sitting room, especially with the fact that I have a back door right there that leads to my deck. Mm. So I had that thought a little bit, but I'm, I'm not going to make any, you know, big changes too soon. That just some, just some thoughts that were coming. Well, it sounds like you had a busy emotional week but you know like you said you know the silver lining is you know you got more stuff you can do at the house and then it's your reason to get out there and travel to to those different places to visit and come back and kind of use it as a reset and then like we are technology society so we got the FaceTime, but it, yes, it's nothing yes. like having them hugs. So I know because my little babies, my little one year old, she she's at that age now. Yo, she's just just coming into her own. Because it's like when she was in the infant stage, she was so funny. She was, I was like, what's when is this baby gonna get happy? <laughs> like, uh, Lord, like my, my the three year old, you know, she just had a different temperament as a. Infant. And Lori, I would not, not do my girl Lori like that. I mean, she just, she I mean, just sorry, Lori, not uh, Lila. Um, yeah, Lila. She, yes. she just, she just was, it was, she was just she threw me off with that. Talk about so she wasn't, she happy. She just ain't smiling. I'm telling you, right, exactly. She was not giving them smiles. Whereas now, you know, she's walking and stuff, she recognizes her grandma. So when she see me, you know, she come running with them little arms open and I'm like lollipop and so I'm glad that I got to experience that with her you know like before they left so I've already concluded mm -hmm. that I will be doing um 
you know, more trips, you know, while they're younger. And so they get to the age where they can come maybe and visit me for a week. I know my daughter's looking forward to that. I'm like, oh, that's why you move so you can take get these breaks from your babies and be sending them with their grandma for a week. <laughs> well, yeah. And, yeah. You know, y'all, y'all have, un- you know, I guess her uninterrupted time. And it's not like she's on a time schedule when that happens either. Uh, my mom used to do it when um, with my um, older sister, Tina. Mm-hmm. She sent her down south for her to visit with my granny. And oh, that that's... my mom the summer off. Yep. That's so funny because my mother was not that mother because we, our grandmother lived in Georgia and my mother was like, mm-hmm, God, what? Because see, my mother looked at us not just like we were her children, but mm-hmm. we were her job. So uh-uh. her mindset, and she, this is actually her own word. She like, if I sent y'all away, what would I do? Like, cause mm-hmm. she just, she wasn't that mom. I don't think it was that era when we were growing, when I was growing up, you know, in the seventies and eighties, women were starting to get out there and have their extracurriculars and stuff like that. But my mom, her goal was to be a great mom. You know, she wasn't thinking about her personal interests and things like that. So she did, she, you know, my father was the provider. Mm-hmm. So she always worked like a part-time job with the schools, but everything she did was about, you know, being available for us. So right. she probably wouldn't have known what to do if she sent us away for the summer. Sure. She probably would like, then I got to sit here and deal with your daddy. <laughs> yeah, my mom knew what to do. She, she, Tina went into the um, drowning accident. However, when I was born, my granny thought the game was going to be the same. So she like, okay, I get her in the summer times. But then my auntie watched me versus, I'm not sure if she was watching Tina like she watched me. So I became auntie's little road dog. Mm-hmm. So when she, when I was of age, I think I had to be three or four. She said, okay, now go ahead and sit her down here and I watch her. And my grand, my auntie said, I have her on a routine. So I don't want to sh- switch up her routine. So I'm going to keep her up with, here with me. So granny never got a chance for me to come down there with her. So guess what grandma did? She ended up moving up here. <laughs> she said, okay, now, you think y'all going to keep me down here? And oh, that's, visit on holiday. that's how she wound up coming down here. Huh? She came up here. Yeah, I think she came up after that because she was like, okay, now they're not even coming down no more because I, you know, it would force mom to come get me or they, um, cause then you could fly by yourself. So I would have a flight attendant mm-hmm. that have been assigned to me. Um, uh, so it would force some kind of visit, but now, um, granny was like, uh-uh. So she sold her house up here cause she, you know, by the end, my, um, grandpa had passed and so she wouldn't be, she'd be lonely. So she was like, well, shoot, I can move up to Michigan and this is where she stayed until her passing. The 92 years old. Mm. So, yes. So she came and she moved to the deep. All right. Well, that was nice. But yeah. 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 So you always always say that, you know, my mom did look forward to those times. (laughs) So she did get that break when she had Tina summer off. So anyways. But we could go on with our topic because I think it is fitting around this time. Cause even though you're looking at the silver lining, 
it's still something that you don't have to rise from and carry on, even though you you would love to hold on to that little one or that that you know. Um, it could be your little ones. It could be any situation, and it's the word resilient and what it really means. And do you have a choice to be resilient or is that just life that you have to go through it and rise above to be resilient? So how do you feel about the word resilient? Um, how do I feel about the word? Well, it's becoming very uh, common to hear the word resilient and what it means is being able to overcome, you know, overcoming whatever has occurred to you or occurred in your life. It could be a, a job loss, you know, divorce, losing a spouse such as, you know, as widows have, mm-hmm. um, whatever happens in your life. To be resilient is to overcome and like keep moving on. And I do think that that's, that's a part of life. We have to do that. But I think what happens is, or the, the conversation that needs to happen is, well, I know I have to move on, but there still has to be your period of mourning, you know, and we have to be allowed to be able to mourn whatever we have lost. I mean, even when you are the person that has initiated the divorce because you no longer want to be in what this has, you know, whatever has become of this marriage. Mm. You can still be sad because it's still a loss, you know, because it's not what you intended to happen when you got married. So it's okay to mourn that that things didn't work out the way that you wanted them to. You know, but sometimes, especially with black women, because we have so much on our plate, we sometimes kind of feel pressure to immediately Mm -hmm. start moving forward and not, you know, allowing ourselves to, because sometimes it's just not time. You know, people are like, I don't have time for this. Like, (laughs) these kids Mm -hmm. still have to be taken care of. You know, this mortgage got to be paid. I don't have time. You know, but we have to allow ourselves that time, even if, you know, you have to do it while you are. Because I don't think resilience doesn't happen overnight either. Resilience is a process. You have to start your resiliency one step at a time, just like with mourning. It's one step at a time. Grieving is one day at a time. You're not going to get through that process. And one day you might think, oh, I'm smiling again. Then you have a time of sadness, you know, where you like, what was me? Why did this happen to me? Why did I lose my spouse? That's okay. It doesn't mean that you are not still on your path to resilience. Yeah, I think resilience is built inside the person. Uh, But. It can be used in two ways. I think resilience is the choice that we have to overcome, you know, any obstacles, any grief. Um, I think every widow that wake up every morning, every widow or widower that wakes up every morning is resilient. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because you you you're still making the choice to move and live on. And no, like you said, it does not happen overnight that you find yourself you know, going through and it's not, it hurts 
any less or any more. It's just as natural as it comes as humans, I think we just eventually start to put things back together mm-hmm. and move on. Now, with that being said, some people rush into trying to move it on. And then some people take their time. And that's the thing about when you're trying to be resilient is giving yourself that space still to grieve and giving yourself that time uh, versus rushing. But some people work better going, having something to do. I know I was one, like, just to go back, this goes back before um, old passing, but back when my mom passed, I went into from mom into caregiving for granny and finishing my master's degree. So I figure I'm always one that likes to stay busy. Mm-hmm. So when old um, because well, no, granny, then grandma passed. I went into uh, being there for old because he had lost his dad and then also planning a wedding. So the wedding took up my mind space. Does that make sense? Yeah. When when mm-hmm. old passed, I threw all of it in the garbage. I had no plans. I had nothing for two years. <laughs> two years straight, I was like, I just live each day by by that day, only because I couldn't think of anything I wanted to do at the time. I was, you know, with that loss, I I lost a little bit more. We experienced secondary losses, third. All kind of things that just, you know, where the glue was there, it unraveled. So it mm-hmm. took me a little longer with that grief than it did with the previous two griefs. Because um, you also had that person, you know, right. sounds like O was there to support you, you know, Through and be griefs. there. Right. Yeah. So when you lost him, it was like, that was my supporter. That was my partner. And yeah. the least expected, you know, like your mom, you know, she was had been ill for a time. Mm-hmm. And then your grandmother, you know, being elderly, some things we expect to happen. But you yes. don't expect to lose your, your spouse in, in, at 30. You know, yeah. not to say he was 30, but, you know, he was a young yeah. man. Yeah, he was 37. And it was real weird with that because I almost felt like he gave a pre-warning a little bit when I he was like, we were talking about death. I don't know why it came up. I was like, whatever. We're going to be sitting in each other's nursing home with matching chairs. And I was going to get our, you know, get my little hair done, get my little braid in the back and my good TV. <laughs> and he said, Tanya, he said, the men in my family don't get past 40. If we get past 40, we look. Oh, wow. That was months prior to him dying. I was looking like. Just months? Yeah. I I just went out the door because I was like, he talking uncomfortably. So I never had wrapped my head around him leaving as much as he had. Uh, But it it did force some type of resilience at one point. And I think um, I heard a widow on the modern widow um, support group we did on Tuesday. She said something so important when. we had our speaker guest, um, Tyron Jackson, um, a life coach, um, a bestseller author. Um, he was talking about, you know, how he had to rise to resiliency after, you know, the death of his uh, wife. It's a, you know, if you have time, definitely, you know, check out his books and everything. Um, but one of the ladies asked, how did you get to that point where you knew what you what your purpose is? Because she's like, my husband just died. And I want to say she had months. It wasn't a year. 
She's like, and I'm still trying to struggle day to day. What's my purpose? And I think I heard another widow say this before because a lot of widows said, and I, I remember having that feeling, what's my purpose? Because some days I wonder if I can live on. And like she said, it's not mm. that I'm suicidal, but it's more so she didn't see herself outside of the vision she already had. And that's something when you going through resilience is, having to create a vision again at the one, the vision you had had ended without your knowledge. I mean, without your um, consent, let me say that. You were there, but you know, you didn't get consent on it to. Right. But she, and that's the part that going through to this journey that you have to, that's where I think resilience, resilience comes in. And I think that's where the story starts. And I wanted to tell her that's the beginning of the new, of the new chapter right there. It's yeah. that part right there, because when you look back a few years from now, you're going to go back to that moment you had before mm-hmm. that you said that you didn't know that you could move on and you will see that you have moved through. Yeah. And that's but as a widow, you know, you know, especially in the beginning stages with me, I had that same feeling that she had. And it resonated with me when she said it. And I don't think I ever comment on it because I was like, I think it was still a sore it's like a scab that hasn't fully healed, but I felt that way. Like, dang, how do you pick yourself up when you your vision was so strong of what you envisioned life, and then it crumbled, and now you have to redo the vision? But then it reminds me of what I believe Martin Luther King said, and I heard it a few times: faith is taking a step. You know, taking a step even when you can't see the next. Right. So. Mm-hmm. I say that in this, you know, journey with resilience when it comes to grief, especially someone who has lost a loved one that they didn't expect to lose, is that resilience is that moment, that journey path that you take, and you didn't know what the outcome would be. You didn't know what the future would hold, but you took the took the risk anyway, and you did it with your head held high. And so that would be something that I would say with resilience you know that's you know the positive that comes from it but then there's also people when somebody say oh you're so resilient they get offended because they don't want to be i remember uh, i think somebody did like a reels on the instagram about it she said i had i had no choice but to do this but it's not a choice that i chose to be resilient i want to be vulnerable too I want to be, you know, I want someone to come to my rescue as well. But I think that's why I said the the um, interpretation of resilience is it depends on how the person interpreted it. It could have been, oh, because I see your strength, I can move on. Because I don't know if you got this, but I get this a lot. I don't even know how I could have did half of what you did. I get that a lot. <laughs> What you mean? Are you going to just give up? Like when I had to take care of my mom, I got that a lot too. Oh, I don't know if I could do it. Well, who's going to do it? But you know, that's the thing, because I think the people, and see, I think the younger you are too, Mm -hmm. when you encounter these types of losses, because most of us, well, I can't, the world is so big and things happen. Yeah. In our personal circles. Right. um, You know, we might, it's a shocker when you find out. It's just like when you, let's say, you're going to school. Like you, matter of mm-hmm. fact, you went to school. Your friend Kelly lost her dad young. 
Yeah, so she lost to about eight. Because, because she had that experience, mm-hmm. she knows different things. She knows more better how to relate to someone who loses someone. But when you're out here, you haven't experienced any losses. So you're like a novice. You don't know. So mm-hmm. yeah, you might be that person saying to somebody that lost their mother, if you've been fortunate, you still have yours. And you see this person carrying on and doing what they have to do. You don't know. It's like, hey, I don't know how you do it. Because if it was me, be lucky it's not you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, <laughs> but but the yes. thing is, it's going to be us at some point. So it's right. whenever you unfor- are unfortunate enough to lose someone that is close to you. Because we lose people all the time, whether it's a co-worker, a distant mm-hmm. cousin, you know. <laughs> The people that are not close to you, those deaths don't affect you the same. You know, like when I lost my grandmother, I didn't have that close relationship with my grandmother that you have with your grandmother. My grandmother Mm -hmm. didn't. She was in her. She was in Georgia most of my life. So by the time she wound up moving here, unfortunately, she didn't move here until she was forced to move here. Dementia had set in um, with her. And so my mother and her sister, you know, they had to bring her here. But by the time she was here, she was suffering from that disease. You know, so I didn't have that closeness with her. So even when she passed, you know, I'm mourning the relationship that I didn't have with her. But that's totally different from someone like you that has all these memories of things your grandmother said to you, things you guys did together. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's I wish my grandma could have been everybody's grandmother, but she wasn't the bake the cookies kind. <laughs> like you had a granny's, oh my God, look at you, darling. My granny was the, the fashionista opposite, um, spoke her mind, but everybody needs a grandma or auntie like that because that's the one you'd be like, here she comes. But <laughs> I wish people could because when I say my granny had stories for days, like the stories of Rocket Chair Brown, and you don't even want to know why she called him Rocket Chair Brown. Uh, uh, 40. I said, now why y'all call him 40? Like, Granny had so many stories that they, it should have been a book. Mm. She was that very, she was very, she was very good at storytelling and very good at speaking. That she really, she really, I always say she was born before her time. Because really, she was that good. Like, this is like what's going on now with the evolution of hair, uh, fashion, internet. This is where my granny fed in at. She was born over her, I mean, before her time. Like, her mind expanded to now versus what was then. Does, does that make sense? Like, she was like, what well, I see like now is what. She would enjoy what, what's going on. Now. Yeah, she would love it. Oh, this would be her. She had been the one. Because she had been in her hundreds. I think she would have been 100 years old. She had been like, oh, turn the TV on. Let me see what's going on today. Let me see. Put my Instagram on. Like, <laughs> that, that would have been my grandma. Because she, she was born before her time. I, I always said that. Like, you, you at a time, like, I feel like if we could time travel so you could see what it would be like, she would have said the same thing. Like, yeah, I think I, I need to be over here. I want to be back here. <laughs> That'd be my grandma. But um, yeah, a lot of times just having, just knowing what to say to somebody yeah. and knowing when the word resilient is. And, and then I also think that 
when people are, I don't think people are resilient on purpose. No. Because you don't, <laughs> you don't know how you're going to respond to any type of tragedy or um, any type of thing that happens in your life. So if you become a resilient person, it's like you, I don't think you realize you're resilient until either somebody tells you, oh, you were really, you were really resilient during that time in your life. Yeah, people, don't, we don't look at ourselves as that way. Like when we do things that we may not want to do, we don't label that stuff. Like, you know what? I think I'm going to be brave today. I think I'm going to be confident today. Like you are who you are. So the people who pick up and just keep going. And if you're the, the person that didn't do that, if you were, you know, more vulnerable, if you're more emotional and you just have to take more time to process as you go through it's nothing wrong. We're all built differently. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because like the book that I was a part of that um, Latanya or created, um, A Resilient Widow. I mean, we all wrote books or we all wrote our stories for that. But all the stories were different. Some of those women, you know, remarried a year later or, mm-hmm. you know, five years later, you know, but some women didn't. I'm it looking for the fifteen mean, year later. Um, well, the fifteen year. Yeah, let let me know when y'all had that. Yeah, when you had that story, because I, I I done passed the five year baby. I'm on six, so I'm like, well, maybe in fifteen years, you know, maybe. Are you saying as, far as remarrying or re- remarrying or seeing where they at? Yeah, I, I want the fifteen year with her. <laughs> well, you know what? that was Miss Mary. Well, oh, yeah. we, you know, we had Mary on our show. She was a widow for a, a long time. I love Mary because uh, Mary says she had two men proposed to her, but she was not in a rush. She was not, you know, she was looking for what she was looking for. And she wasn't mm-hmm. looking because Mary, Minister Mary, you know, she threw herself into ministry. Her That's what her whole life was with her husband. Right. So she continued the work that her husband was doing, but she pivoted to help out the community of Willows. And then now, you know, we can report she did even, she did get remarried, what, maybe two years ago? And that was after being a widow for like 20 years. But she, you know, she was still, she dated here and there, you know, as she talked to us on um, our show, but she had another purpose. So her purpose was not about, oh, I have to find another spouse. And sometimes that's when you find that spouse is when you're not even looking for it. You know, you're just going about your, about your day, fulfilling whatever purpose God puts in your heart. And if it's meant to be for you to meet somebody and fall in love and it's a love match and y'all want to be together, it happens, you know, it'll happen in, in its time. We can't force it. And usually when we do try to force it, it doesn't work out well. <laughs> it doesn't work out well. But so let me ask, do you consider yourself resilient? Like now that you're five years a widow, would you feel that you can understand if somebody looked at you and said you were resilient? I could. I still you know, have that little ache back there that says, but I want to be, I want to be allowed to be vulnerable at times. But yes, I do consider myself resilient because I was able to move past. Like I, 
feel like I made a huge improvement from when I first became a widow to now because before, like, I wasn't planning. I'm back to planning again. I didn't plan. Remember, I told you I don't, mm-hmm. I don't plan for nothing. I just I go about my day, and you know I take it day by day. Well, COVID forced me to start planning again. Okay, so COVID. But, but do you? It. But do you think that so to be resilient does that mean that you aren't vulnerable because you are seen as resilient? Because I think the vulnerability that can be private. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a private person, just like I was mm-hmm. saying when my kids were leaving. I didn't want to cry in front of them. When I dropped my daughter after at college, <laughs> I dropped her off and I cried all the way home, driving home. It was a lot of reasons that I was crying, not just because, oh, I'm dropping, you know, my daughter off. And it was a lot of other things that I was feeling. But I'm not the person that's going to break down. If I break down and cry in front of you, that's like... Oh, this is rough for her. <laughs> yeah. You know, but no, I cry. I cry really, really good. I I would cry to drop the hat. I got that from mom. <laughs> it don't take much for me to start crying. But I think it's the how do I put it? I think people see well, the people that say it the most doesn't know me at all. Let's put it that way. So I would take it more so like say if my best friend Kelly was to say, oh, you're resilient. She knows my story. You see Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. She knows me. Whereas other people are looking on the outside, looking in. And so you're thinking, oh, things always go her way. She always pick herself back up, but you don't know the journey it took to get to that point. Yeah. And I think most people need to really understand that because we don't know what people are going through or how they are truly if you're not in that person's personal circle, mm-hmm. you don't know. You you only know the surface of what is going on because we have to, as women and just as adults, you know, like we could. Like, I love the kids how they started calling being an adult adulting. Like I don't feel like adulting today, Ooh. you know. But we have to do it. How how many of us be feeling like going to work on Monday morning? When Monday comes, most of us don't want to go to work. But when you have responsibilities, hey, I got to get up and go. And you're going to get there. You're going to have a smile on your face. You're going to put your best foot forward. But it's going to be that friend that you're talking to on the phone or, you know, whoever. If you have a husband, that's going to be the person that you're going to be able to say, man, I really don't feel like doing this today. You know what I'm saying? Like you can share your vulnerabilities with those people who are closer to you. So the people on the outside they're just seeing the result, you know, of, of what you're doing. You know, so I, I try to take it like, you know, with the grain of salt. Yeah. You know, and I people... do. I mean, I, even with, you know, becoming a member of Sigma Gamma Rho Incorporated, my line name is Resilience. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it was because of my story, but you got to understand it. Like, it's all, oh, that, you know, that sounds... You know, oh, that does sound like a lie. You pick yourself back up, huh? No, you have to. Ooh, I ain't gonna say be in the trenches, but girl, you gotta be. You gotta be in the sofa for Whitney like this, girl. What? What? Okay, yeah, I I saw it. I remember when you went. Oh yeah, I feel like that's when I feel like it's more. I value it. I value it more when it's somebody that knows. I you know knows me. That's knows the story. Yeah, that knows the story. 
of why. And so when they, when they say it, it's coming from the heart because they know the story, not to say it because it's a response. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. <laughs> not just to say it. Because some people will say things because they're uncomfortable and they know that word or that saying will stop that conversation and we can move to another one. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Well, yeah, so I, I think that anyone out there, you know, who, if you're new to widowhood, yeah. you know, don't feel the pressure to, like, show the world that you're okay. Like, it's okay to not be okay. And I, I think the world would be better if we did show, you know, we saw more videos of people saying, this is hard. This is not easy. You know, I've been thinking, I want to... um I would love to see like a a trend on social media, like be real, you know, like hashtag be real. Can we all share a real moment, not an orchestrated moment? Like when you make video, like my daughter, for instance, she just posted a video. um, She was reviewing this mattress um, thing that she had tried to do with like the vacuum suction she had saw a video on Facebook uh, showing somebody suctioning all of the air out of their mattress, like to roll it up and put it in the car for moving. So mm-hmm. she tried to do it, didn't work for her. So she did a video like showing that it didn't work. So in the video, in the comments on her YouTube channel, mm-hmm. she had a couple people commenting, you know, what a messy bedroom, like things like that. I'm oh, like, wow. well, what do you expect the bedroom to look like when somebody is moving, mm-hmm. right? But the problem is that when people go on social media, we're so much trying to show perfection. So right. we got we to show a totally clean bedroom and you sitting up here moving? It's not even realistic. You know what I mean? So no, like, you first, first of all, for the YouTuber that came for my cousin over there, I'm going to pop you upside your head. (laughs) Don't be coming for Taya like that. And second, I never understand people in their negative comments. Right. To yourself. Yeah. And then, too, again, the internet is an illusion. It's an illusion. That's why so many of y'all, and many of us, I ain't going to say y'all because I suffer from it, too, with mental illness because you have an illusion of how it should be. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, and life doesn't go like that. But if the bedroom was me- messy and you couldn't stand it, girl, ain't nothing but a scroll then go, up. Go to another video. Scroll up. Yeah, you, you know? can scroll up and go. Like, But you didn't have to comment. But I mean, it's the realness of it. I've seen people's bedrooms, especially younger kids. Sorry, not younger kids, but younger adults now. They ain't all clean. They gonna show you the real in their particular, you know, age group because that's acceptable they just try to hear the message of what's going on whereas you know people will comment and make comments but that's the only thing about youtube because you're visual now people i mean but that's YouTube, your... right youtube social media all, all of those yeah, they try to making videos yeah it's just like okay so when i'm making a video and to me that also stresses me out because i do videos myself but then sometimes I'm like, dang, I want to do a video, but I don't feel like I got to clean my bed off. I got to do this. Mm-hmm. I got to prep my room or whatever space I'm about to use. 
And sometimes I really don't want to do that because I want to feel like this is me. Mm-hmm. Like I am not doing, I'm not showing. Now, if I'm a organizer, if, if that's my business, then okay, yeah, I guess I should have an organized space to showcase what I do. But if mm-hmm. I'm making a video that's not related to some clothes being on my bed or my bed not being made up at the time I'm doing the video, right? You shouldn't have to go through all of that to not be attacked by people who are expecting this perfection. You know, that people, these, the YouTube, I'm going to just say the YouTubers, because I feel like that kind of started the video trend of what we're seeing on Facebook right. and all of that, you yeah. know, the YouTube videos. But people always don't have something to say, because even some of the bloggers I listen to, video bloggers I listen to online, I listen to one that tells me about my little soaps, and I only go on there to hear his commentation because his commentary. You know what I'm trying to say. This mm-hmm. is take of what's going on because of the fact that he be thinking like I'm thinking. So I love it. I go on there to hear about ghosts. I'm a power series fanatic. So I go on there to hear my ghosts. I hear about any of the other shows. Uh, so, but even with them, and they have backdrops. So there's a backdrop in the back of some of those videos. They still pick on them. And just people just, you know, when you're miserable like that, you do stuff. So, and, and anybody that comment, they room probably just as junky. So get yourself together. But yeah, you know, I like to be real comment. I've been saying that for a while. You have to have a real expectation out here <laughs> of what life is. Viola said it this week too. What she internet? Said? She said the internet was an illusion. I had posted that. I don't know the exact uh, quote right now, uh, but mm-hmm. she did say. It, what you see is not what's always present. Yeah. You know, um, another person that, uh, a prime example too, um, there's a celebrity couple that's going through a divorce, one of our, you know, mm. popular rap rappers and uh, popular talk show hosts. Well, I didn't even try to look to see what they wrote because I know people went off, okay? But that again, what you... What do you expect her to post the negative, you know, or what do you expect them to post their negativity? Would you really right, want to see all that? That's not what we post. Like, keep your business to yourself. <laughs> yeah, you can't win for losing. So, right, matter of fact, I have a, one of my face. Well, my she's one of my high school classmates. It was really interesting because she would literally post like everything going on in her life. She was having a lot of um medical cha- health challenges and stuff like that. And she would post, you know, like, yeah, I'm in the hospital. And she wasn't posting it from a place of negativity, but she was just literally posting about what was going on. And she would post about, I'm in the hospital this week. This is what the doctor said. They got to run this test and that test. And then one of my other friends, the one who ghosted me and don't want to be my friend anymore, but okay, that's okay. <laughs> but a previous she, friend. She had posted. Um, well, no, she didn't post. But she, when we, she and I were talking, she was just like, "If this girl keep telling all of her personal business, like it was really irritating her that mm-hmm. she was posting." And I'm like, again, like you said, if you don't want to see it, scroll past it. Facebook. Does, and see, this is goes back. We might have to make that a topic of his own. How does somebody's truth? irritate you okay mm-hmm. but see that's because they done bought into the reality i want to go on facebook and just see 
all the good stuff that's going mm-hmm. on. I'm like, uh-uh, get your fantasies from someplace else. Go pick up yeah. a book. But when you're dealing with people, people are allowed to post whatever they want to post. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, like I said, now we more often posted the less perfect parts of our lives. You know, maybe we wouldn't have so many people out here, you know, being freaking suicidal because they think their life doesn't measure up to that of their peers because their peers are posting all these fabulous pictures of, you know, I vacation all around the world. And you think, man, I'm only 25 and I haven't been out the country yet. You 25 and you haven't been out the country yet. Join most of the world. Yeah, you know, but because so many of the young people are doing these things, you know, it makes their their counterparts feel like they're behind because they can't do it yet. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's that's like you said, subject for another day. But this is this has been a good conversation here today, and hopefully, we have encouraged people, you know, to not feel like to not feel pressure of having to appear resilient. If you want the mall and you break down and cry because you had a thought, do it. You know, don't feel like you got to rush off behind a closed door because people are going to see you. It's okay. It's okay. Yes. Well, it was another good subject that could have probably went on for hours. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't only give you our, what is it, 48, 50 minutes worth of it. So until next time. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye.